All right, guys, special midweek podcast episode we have for everyone today uh, with Bedlam Week. We're we're combining the OU and the OSU Sports Extra podcast. I'm Jawan Lee today, joined by Dean Rule, Mason Young, and Eric Bailey. How's everyone doing today? Doing good. Doing good, Jawan. Yep, glad to be here doing this with you guys. Looking forward to getting into some Bedlam stuff. You know, before I cut the before I started recording, I was trying to think to myself, how do I even introduce this? Because this is our first time doing something like this. But we got past that. We got past the introduction. Let's let's first jump into the playoff rankings. They were released last night. OU comes in at number nine. OSU comes in at number 22. Is anyone surprised about where those two teams kind of sit at this moment and where the Big 12 kind of landed on that list? Well, for Oklahoma's case, I was really, really intrigued because I was real, to be honest, I was curious if they beat Kansas where they would have been. That was the big question for me. And when they lost, I didn't, about nine or 10 is where I expected. I was really kind of wondering if they beat Kansas were still undefeated, where would they rank among the unbeaten teams? So curious by that. Um, Texas, of course, they have the win over Texas, but are two spots behind Texas now. And uh, it's a really, it's a really, uh, neat thing, you know, with Alabama right in the middle, who Texas has a win against. So I think I think just the value of Oklahoma's loss to Kansas hurt him too. So, but uh, kind of for Oklahoma's sake, I think nine is a good spot. It's not the worst spot either, because as we've seen in years past with Oklahoma, things can happen, and you know teams can lose ahead of them. So if they went out, hey, maybe we're having a, a strange conversation the first Saturday uh, Sunday in December about where they're going to be. Yeah, I think uh, OSU is fairly ranked this is probably i think the the fact that they're in is is a good sign for them because throughout the ap top 25 poll which all of a sudden becomes defunct for the for the rest of the season you know nobody's going to really pay too much attention to that um it, it seems like that south alabama loss was really holding them back from cracking into there um so so 22 i think is, is fair and uh it, it seems every year the initial college football playoff rankings uh you know they, they stir up some drama but i think uh, this is year what nine which makes me feel super old i remember being a kid <laughs> when these things started coming out but uh point being i think that every year for the most part these eventually work themselves out people end up where they're supposed to be uh so i don't think there there's too much need to overreact to this one just yet I think 22 makes sense for OSU. I think in a broader college football sense overall, it was encouraging to see uh, the committee's rationale for a lot of things. Uh, I mean, I I said this on the radio yesterday. I really thought that they were going to let Michigan keep getting away with not having beat anybody, and they put Michigan <laughs> at three. It looked like it looked like that they they actually took into consideration their schedule, and obviously. I think Ohio State being one is the epitome of that. You know, they beat Penn State and, and they've had some some tougher games than a lot of than, you know, say Georgia or whoever is is behind them. Uh now to the point of OU and OSU, right? Uh I kind of wonder how much OU's strength of schedule is going to allow them to climb back into things. I, I don't I agree with Eric on on the side of like we've seen it before. We've we've seen them lose in the middle of the season and then make an insurmountable 
uh, come back back into the college football playoff picture. But I think with this year's remaining strength of schedule, it's going to be a lot more difficult. But Bedlam, if they win Bedlam, that's a good first step. Yeah, and that was for sure going to be my next question. With Bedlam on the horizon, I mean, a couple of days away, what do you think that game could possibly do for OU and OSU as it comes to those rankings? Yeah, I think in, in OSU's case, um, it really validates this turnaround they've had in, in Big 12 conference play. Uh, they've got some quality wins already, beating Kansas State and, and Kansas, um, who both are starting in the top 25 for the college football playoff rankings. So not to say this is the only way that I think OSU gets legitimized this year is if they win in Bedlam because they do have some quality wins already. But I think when you add in, when you parlay it all together, and, and if you're able to beat a top 10 OU team who, you know, has a great offense and, and, and has shown that uh, they're a contender, um, I, I think this could really legitimize and, and move OSU. It, look, they've already got two losses. One of them is, is terrible. Uh, the South Alabama loss, you're never going to get past that. It happened. That, by no means would I argue, oh, yeah, if they win this, OSU could possibly get into the college football playoff. That ship sailed back in week three. Um, but but it can definitely set you up for you know a, another solid bowl game or it can set you up for a conference championship. You know, th- there's two crucial games this weekend, Jawan, in Texas versus Kansas State and OSU versus OU. They almost feel like semifinal games for who's going to make the conference championship because two, two, you know, you got a five-way tie for first. Four of those teams play against each other this week. So you're going to have two people hit the driver's seat with three weeks left in the season. Uh, so so this can really, a win would really bump OSU, not just in the rankings, but in, in the season and as a whole. I think for Oklahoma, I think it's just important to continue to try to rebuild momentum in an important month. Um, an Oklahoma State win would look really, really good on their resume because Oklahoma State is ranked at the time. And uh, and I think a loss, just if you're an Oklahoma fan, you, you start questioning Brent Venables and the coaching staff that they lose back-to-back games to not only take them out of the college football playoff rankings, but like Dean said, the Big 12 race, because it'd be, I don't know if they can get to the championship game with two losses. So I think this is an important game, not only for the college football playoff rankings for Oklahoma, but especially for the Big 12 race. And uh, I think that's that's the key. Uh, you know, the bar was set high when they were 7-0. and And if you leave Stillwater going 7-2, and uh, you just wonder what kind of momentum Oklahoma will have for the rest of the season. Eric, one month ago, would, would you have made the claim that OSU was a good team and that would be a good win for OU? Because I don't think I would have. <laughs> well, you know... <laughs> You know, after after the South Alabama game and then after what Oklahoma did to Texas, you know, I think this would have been the line on this game. I think, what is it, five right now? Uh, five point, six they point? Keep dropping it. Yeah, it's about five or six. Yeah, so, but, you know, a month ago, this was probably a two-touchdown point spread, and that number is coming way down. Uh, and you're right. I would never have thought that, you know, this, we'd be having this conversation. That's a credit to Mike Gundy and his coaching staff. And I, But I do know this. OSU and their success has the full attention of Oklahoma's coaches and their players from everything we heard during availability. Would you say that, Mason? 100% utmost respect for Ollie Gordon and the challenge that he's going to present in the run game. 
utmost respect for the job that Mike Gundy's done being able to turn this around. And, and I think just to piggyback on, on what you were saying, Eric, you know, this is just a gotta have game for OU for any opportunity to get back into the, the college football playoff. I mean, if you, if it's not OU versus Texas in the big 12 championship game and OU winning again, you have no shot because right now the committee is already valuing Texas's win over Alabama more than they are Oklahoma's win over Texas, given its loss to Kansas. So uh, this is a gotta have game for OU. And I would expect that uh, this coaching staff uh, and then these OU players will be, will be ready to go. Mason and Eric, I want to start with you with this question because it was something interesting I read in Bill Hastings' column a few weeks ago. Why well, else it was last week when he said if you would have told an OU fan that you'd be seven and one at this time, you may feel pretty okay about about this team. But you win seven straight and then you take a loss against Kansas. Kind of tell me what's the pulse around Norman in this team right now? Yeah, well, I I mean, obviously, you know, you're not happy with what happened. Uh what occurred in Lawrence this past weekend. Uh, I think there's two ways to look at this, right? Uh, To the point that I think Bill was making that you've raised, you know, this is a team that at the point of Bedlam last year was still searching for bowl eligibility. That was Bedlam last year was the sixth win to get them bowl eligible and just really having a tough time in Brent Venable's first year as head coach. And so to see how far they've come since then is, is really pretty remarkable. The fact that they, uh, almost had to, had the opportunity to be 8-0 for the first time since 2021, but only like the second time within the last 18 years or so. Uh, you know, that 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 was obviously looking like a pretty remarkable turnaround. At the same time, I think the fan base is st- frustrated with the fact that 8-0 was staring them right in the face, right? You know, Brent Venables tried to fall on the sword a little bit after the game. He talked about uh, wishing he had called timeout uh, on the fourth and sixth play that set up Kansas's game-winning touchdown to get his defense ready, but the brunt of that game falls on Jeff Lebby and the and the play-calling decisions that he made, especially early in the third quarter, three straight drives where they went punt, punt, fumble, uh, and, and we just continue to talk about that um, until we're blue in the face because it's honestly one of the worst uh, examples of game management that we've seen in a long time. Uh, but OU had every opportunity to put that game away in the in the in the third quarter early on and just shut Kansas down and they didn't do it. So you have to be frustrated with that, that eight, uh, no was staring you in the face and really not so much the players, but almost the coaching staff in a sense is responsible for the fact that they're not still undefeated right now. You know, he added this, you know, social media has been vicious this week. It was vicious as soon as the, the, the final game was sw- or final play was swatted down at KU but that just tells me something. You know, last year it was tough for Oklahoma fans to go six and seven. It's just something they're not used to. They're not used to losing that many games in one season. And uh, when it was 7-0 for Oklahoma fans, I'm sure they thought everything in the world was right. They were in the top 10. They were in the college football playoff conversation. Everything seemed back to normal going into that Kansas game, but just simply because of what happened last year. And I think this loss brought Oklahoma down to earth and it hurt more because these fans, like Mason said, were wanting to believe 8-0 was right there. And now um, any loss hurts. And, and it, it reminds me of the losses Oklahoma absorbed uh, back in the, those college football playoff years when they made it to the playoffs after a loss to Iowa State or a loss to Texas or you know anyone. Uh, fans were mad. And I feel that same hatred 
or I shouldn't say hatred. I feel that same pain that they're feeling uh, after this loss. So uh, in a way, it tells you things are almost back to normal in Norman because fans really, really take these losses so hard. Dean, similar question for you. OSU has lost seven of the past eight games against OU, but coming in with a little bit more confidence, especially with the emergence of Ollie Gordon and on a four-game loser streak. I know a month ago, me and you had so many different topics about where the state of this team was heading, but it seems that most fans are kind of more on board with what's going on now. So what's kind of the pulse of Stillwater right now? Well, I mean, winning cures all, Juwan. You can you can cover up quite a bit uh, if you go out and win football games consistently. And I, I, you're right, there's been a... Uh, a renaissance within the the fan base and they want to get behind a guy like Alan Bowman and a guy like Ollie Gordon and this offensive line that's all of a sudden turned things around and Colin Oliver and Kendall Dane like we can just list off all the guys that people want to rally around and and support and and clearly show that that they're invested in this team and uh yeah a month ago you didn't see that because you know, if you if you take what OSU did on the back half of 2022 and you add it to the start to 2023, there was a lot of questions and, and you know, people were calling for coaches heads and <laughs> it, it was a bit of a toxic environment in, in a lot of ways. And, and and that's what we said a month ago, Juwan, when OSU went two and two into the bye week. I said, you know, Everybody just needs to take a break from everybody right now. Like the fans need to take a break from the football team. The football team needs to take a break from playing. And and they've come out and they've won four straight games. And uh, that's a testament, I think, to to the coaching staff. Mike Gundy says it's a testament to the players and, and the strides that they've made. You know, he, he went even further. He said it wasn't just strides in the past month. It's the strides that they've taken in the past year um, that, that's put them in this position and yeah, so so I think th- there's a positive energy flowing, not just from the team, but from the fan base. And, and that all plays into OSU's favor. Um, but like you said, no matter what stat you can bring up, we can trade Bedlam stats and Bedlam history stats for the next hour if we wanted to. Um, every single one of them is is terrible for OSU. Like there's there's not a great <laughs> Bedlam stat for uh, that you can say. Oh, OSU's done this in the past 10 years. No, it, it doesn't exist. That This is a game they have historically lost. I don't think that that's ever going to change, especially because this appears to be the final one for quite some time. So I, I think that plays a factor in this. In, in uh, you know, this is the last one you get the extended bragging rights. I think that's a bigger deal maybe for the fans than the players. Um but there's all kinds of, you know, external things that factor into a game like this that are going to, you know, have an impact. So, guys, small tidbit about me. Um, this I may be one of the few Texans who can give you this scenario, but my dad, I grew up around him and he's an OU fan. Right. And to have a little rivalry with him, I was an Oklahoma State fan, but I have never actually attended the game. I'll be in Stillwater Saturday for tailgating and stuff just to get some of the experience. But I would love to ask you all, since you guys been in Oklahoma, what is it like just covering the game and being around the atmosphere of a, of a historic rivalry like this? Juwan, this has been so much fun. I grew up on this game. You know, I grew up in Tulsa, went to elementary school, middle school, high school in Tulsa. 
but always was a sports fan. And this was just always such a fun game. I remember the Ice Bowl. I remember Barry Switzer versus Jimmy Johnson. I remember all those games. And growing up in that game, growing up watching this game, I was a fan. Now that I'm working, I think I'm a bigger fan, not of a team, but of the game. And it seems like every year that you expect the unexpected or something crazy happens. It never turns out like you just think it's going to happen. Sure, Oklahoma has a lopsided series record against OSU, but how many of those games in the past decade have been one possession games? How many of those games have been so close? And no matter if you think Oklahoma is going to you know, dominate a game, it doesn't happen. So that's what makes it fun to cover from my end because it's such such fun. And, uh, I, I, yeah, this is huge for, as a native Oklahoma, this is huge just to get to watch. Mason? Yeah, I mean, a native Oklahoman as well. Um, you know, I always grew up either watching it on TV or hearing stories about uh, previous games and the, I think the actually legitimately the only time I've ever been to Bedlam myself was the 2021 game. And uh, it's kind of remarkable to look back and think about everything that happened with, you know, OU in a similar situation now, being a one-loss team and trying to revive its college football playoff hopes and Oklahoma State completely putting the kibosh on that, coming from behind to beat OU and ruin the season. And then Lincoln Riley leaves for USC the next morning and, everything's just in a frenzy it's that was a really wild time to be alive and and to see just how much has changed for OU since then and uh how far they how far they've come but uh also just how different things are uh has been has been pretty remarkable um I enjoyed being in and around Stillwater on that game day walking around seeing people's tailgates just getting a feel for the campus that was actually the first time I had ever been to Stillwater first and only still but Got to, you know, see what Eskimo Joe's is like on a Bedlam game day. Like, I mean, I just the the nostalgia of that and just seeing how how much buzz was around that campus uh, before the Bedlam game was really cool. And I have no doubt we're going to see something similar this weekend. Yeah. So so unlike Eric and Mason, uh, not a native Oklahoman, uh, a St. Louis kid went up to New York for quite some time. So my big college rivalry growing up was Cornell versus Dartmouth. Um, that, that packed about <laughs> 500 people in the stadium, uh, that ticket cost you about five bucks too. But, uh, no, by the time I did, by the time I did arrive, um, in Oklahoma, it was a culture shock to see the pageantry and the, the fandom around big time power five college football. And, and it, it's been great to. It's been so just invigorating to to see, you know, 56,000 people come out on some Saturday afternoon to watch a football game and 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 the, the way that the history behind these rivalries and it's great. And I think that's why it's it's a little sad to see it go. Um, I, I do subscribe to the camp of it will come back eventually. Who knows what that looks like? But but. I don't think this will be the last ever time it's played. Um, but so, so yeah, and, and then uh, last year, I finally got to cover one of them uh, down down in Norman, and, and that was great. That was, uh, you know, everything you would want to ask for from a big-time college football game outside of the weather. I mean, that was freezing cold. But 
uh, no, it, it's great. And it, it really was my first exposure to what real deal college football looks like. Yeah, you brought it up. And I, I wanted to ask next, being that that this is for the foreseeable feature, the last Big 12 bet one, the last time these two teams may meet for a little bit, is the feeling of covering this game leading up the week, leading up to it has changed any? In you guys' opinion, does it feel different now that people kind of understand that this is going to be the last Big 12 bedlam? I don't know if it feels different because this game means so much to our state. Uh, so the lead into it, I think the game has really taken such importance that maybe that has even superseded people realizing this is the last one. I think it's one of those things once it's over, I think it will hit harder. One of those you don't know what you got till it's gone moments. But the lead in everything coming into the game, the importance for both teams. Uh, you know, I think that's what's really taken precedent uh, over the finale. But I think after this game, you know, and next year at this time, especially, we'll be wondering where this game went. But right now, I think both teams and both fan bases are looking forward to a great game on Saturday and trying to beat each other up. So, uh, but I don't think it's really going to hit home until after the game's over. Yeah, I think it's something that you're just going to, Give it a year or two, and people are going to realize what exactly is missing. I mean, you want OSU's twenty twenty four through twenty twenty seven uh, conference opponents; those released a little bit ago. I mean, there's a chance that this this window, this you know, first week of November. I know Bedlam's not played every first week of November, but point being, it's a November game. You know, this this could be an Arizona State week for Oklahoma, or or you know, BYU. Uh, you, you, it's just by proxy of a lot of different things and conference realignment. The byproduct is this game's going away. And, and I think eventually people are going to sit back and say, dang, you know, that sucks. I hope that that's the case. I really hope people will be reflective and maybe that spurs, you know, athletics administrators at OU and OSU to want to try to figure out a way to make this work in the future. Uh, you know, to Mike Gundy's point this week, right, I think that there are a lot of players who don't have as much of an emotional connection to this game anymore, either because they didn't grow up in Oklahoma or, uh, you know, it just for whatever reason, it just doesn't mean as much to them. But obviously, it still means a lot to Mike Gundy, still means a lot of a lot to Brian Bosworth. Uh, and, <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and there are some players that this means something to, right? I mean... I thought one of the coolest things this week is that all of OU's captains, they do the weekly captain system, and all of their captains are kids from Oklahoma, kids like Drake Stoops and Trace Ford and and Ethan Downs that grew up, you know, dreaming of playing for one or the other team in this game. And, you know, I, I, I just hope that people broadly – I think it still means a lot to the fan base too, even though it may not mean so much to players, I think – you know, fans are excited about this game and they care a lot about this game. And I really do hope, you know, post-mortem that people realize like, oh, wow, we're missing something here. Like, what can we do to get this back? I guess my my final thing that I, I want to ask you guys, is, do you have a, a lasting memory from this rivalry that kind of sticks out to you? I wasn't there for it, but I, I believe I watched it on TV. I was still like relatively young, so... I don't I don't remember it vividly, but the Tyreek Hill uh punt return touchdown in or in 2014 just 
always stick with me. And Bob Stoops' decision to go ahead and, and kick it again, uh, even though you know they didn't have to, and and putting the ball uh, in his hands for that that game tying touchdown, um, just peculiar on a lot of levels. Because one, because of the decision, but two. I mean, like how many people outside of Oklahoma realize or remember that Tyreek Hill like played for OSU at one point? I mean, there was a lot that went went on in between him playing for OSU and his journey <laughs> to being a star with the Chiefs and the Dolphins. So just just one of those weird memories of like anything can happen in Bedlam, right? I mean, that just the fact that it happened, but also that, it, you know, the hero was someone that's you know, not exactly going to be remembered for like their legacy as a OSU football player or anything like that. Um, just one of those fun, fun moments. And I'm a big NFL guy. So uh, that, that one uh, has, has always kind of stuck out to me as like, wow, just one of the weird, weirder, stranger moments in Bedlam for a lot of reasons. Yeah. I think I'd go with, uh, with my first exposure to, to the game, which would have been uh, 2011. <laughs> I was in a fifth grader at that point, and somebody was talking about, "Oh, you got to watch this game." And so I was like, "Okay," <laughs> and uh, and that that was the year that OSU won, like whatever it was forty to ten. And I just remember they they pulled down the goalposts at the end of it, and I said, "What in the world <laughs> am I like? What is this?" Um. So so yeah. So I think that would be my first bedlam memory is is or my favorite bedlam memory is my first bedlam memory because of just the the chaos of it because i've never seen anything like it i'll have to go with um you know first of all the tyreek hill one i was in the end zone uh with a couple other riders and i remember when oklahoma and bob stoops took the five-yard penalty to punt the ball again i remember um i remember telling the guy next to me, what are they doing? Only one bad thing can happen with this punt. And sure enough, that bad thing happened. Never forget <laughs> that. But, uh, you know, one of the things I remember was the second bedlam I covered in 2013 when Oklahoma, OSU was going to be about to win a Big 12 championship. And Oklahoma came back with their third quarterback in the game, Blake Bell, threw a touchdown pass to Jalen Saunders with 19 seconds left um, to win the game. And I still remember that because he was the third quarterback. He drove them the length of the field to win the football game. And the final score, I think, ended up being an 11-point game, 12-point game. But the only reason it was that is because Oklahoma scored a defensive touchdown on the last play when OSU was just trying to make something happen. But Oklahoma was about to lose that game, and Oklahoma was able to um, – come back with Blake Bell. Now, what's the last throw he made as an OU quarterback when he threw that ball to Jalen Saunders? He never threw another pass because in the Sugar Bowl, the next game, that's when Trevor Knight took over and led OU to a remarkable win over the Crimson Tide. But I still remember 2013 in Stillwater, uh, Blake Bell throwing that pass to Jalen Saunders. Uh, that, was, that, was, that was a heck of a game. All right, guys. Anybody have any final comments before we get out of here? I'm going to hate not going to Stillwater for a while. I, I love going to Stillwater. I love the fan base. Uh, the press box leaves a little bit to be desired. We're in the end zone. Uh, but nicest, I will say this, nicest restrooms in the Big 12, that's for sure, because uh, we get to share <laughs> with the suites. So, but no, I, I, this is this is going to be, uh, I think I'll be more nostalgic like the fans probably after the fact. I mean, that's the thing. I, I grew up around this game. We get so caught up in working week to week as writers covering the next game in front of us. This, to me, this is just the next game in front of me. 
But I think after it hits, when we realize they're not going to play again, like Dean said, Oklahoma would be playing Arizona State, Oklahoma State be playing Arizona State next year. Uh, that's when I'll remember, hey, we should be going to Stillwater, and it's not happening. I think one thing that is nice, right, it, it sounds like that uh, the athletics administrators at OU and OSU are going to still put a priority on playing each other in bedlam in other sports. It's not football. It, it doesn't ha- always have the same intensity, especially for a lot of the smaller sports. But, you know, a, a bedlam basketball game, a bedlam baseball game, a bedlam softball game, there are definitely some athletic competitions between these schools that still have, you know, some pretty good intensity matchup to matchup. And uh, I think that those, you know, potentially they become even more exciting for fans of these universities in the future, because that is an element of bedlam that you can cling to while you're in this in-between of not knowing when football bedlam is going to be back, if it will be back. But I'm totally with Eric by and large. Like it, it I think afterward is when it's going to really hit and it's going to feel really weird that uh, we just walked out of the last one for who knows how long. Yeah. I think, I think it's just, at this point, everybody's posturing. You know, it's like, uh, you know, if like your buddy breaks up with his girlfriend and he's like, "Oh, I didn't need her." We were, I, you know, <laughs> he, you know, he's trying to like validate in his mind. Oh, but but really, everybody's sad. You know, that's what it is. <laughs> right now, everybody said, you know, it's that point in the breakup where it's like, "We don't need you." Well, I never liked you, and you know, give it give it some time, and yeah, people are gonna say, "Hey." That was fun. Maybe we should do it again. Uh, let me say this, Dean. That was the best a- analogy I've heard. It's like a that was that, that was good. That was Who good. Needs you? I, I, I'm over <laughs> you. I don't care about you. Let's move on. Yeah. And then, and then pretty soon we'll be everyone will be sad. Like <laughs> we're gonna go through the five stages of denial pretty soon, aren't we? Yeah, that's what it's gonna be. And then everybody's gonna, you know, that's why I say, sure, there's gonna probably be. I think a decade sounds right. Just when you look at the way non-conference gets scheduled out, I think that's probably what it's going to be. But they're going to find a way to do this again. This is not it. This is not the nail in the coffin. Everybody's just taking a they're taking a little break from each other. All right. Well, we appreciate everyone for joining us for a a midweek special Bedlam edition of our of our podcast. Both the OSU and OU guys will continue to have content throughout the week heading into the game. And they also be doing post-game pods. We'll have video and post-game content on our on our website throughout the weekend. So make sure you guys keep in lock with that. Um remember to download podcasts and it's free. Spotify, Apple Music. Google, wherever you get your podcast from, you can download us um, and also visit the TulsaWorld.com. We'll see you guys next time.